I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. DJ and PK is brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. We are joined now by Jay Hill, Weber State football coach. Weber State with a big golf tournament about ready to get underway here at the Ogden Country Club. Jay, good morning. Good morning. Great to be with you guys. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. 2020 has been different for everybody, but as a college football coach trying to plan for an upcoming season with all the curveballs you're getting, what has been the single biggest challenge slash headache for you just that things are always changing uh, about time you set your calendar it changes and you get a rule that comes out and you have to adjust uh, i can't tell you how many times we've had to adjust things over the last four months it's been crazy from canceling spring ball to our, our recruiting schedules getting all out of whack anyway it's been it's been one curveball after another like you said we always hear that it's harder to stay on top than it is to build. And you can speak to that as well as anybody because you've built and now you've won a couple of big skies and you advanced in the playoffs. So what would you say to that question as far as expectations now are through the roof as far as keeping that where it is and even maybe getting a step or two better as opposed to when you had to go through and build it? Well, I'd much rather be where we're at right now than when we were first building because that was no fun. Um, And I don't know if I always agree with that. Uh, When you have better players and now you're attracting better coaches because they're seeing others move on, uh, I think it's uh, easier to be good now than it was when we first got here and you're trying to sell people on a team that went 2-10 and for three straight years. So you're not selling anymore really in that way. Yeah, people know who we are more, and uh, they've heard of success, success, not just here in the state of Utah, but in surrounding states. And so in recruiting, it's easier. And, you know, just bottom line, it's easier with the players because there's an expectation now where they want to go out on the field and not just not just win a couple games, but to compete for championships. So I'm intrigued. I mean, on the one hand, you're at the top because you got three straight, at least a share of the conference title, quarterfinals, and now semifinal in the playoffs. But on the other hand, just by the nature of the level you're at, there's a level of college football above you. Coaches make more money. Uh, people play on TV more. But are there kids who, that you can get, you know, kids who maybe would end up in the bottom half of the Mountain West, a school that's in the bottom half of the Mountain West, can you get those kids? Because you're not, it's not Alabama where you're literally at the top of college football getting, you know, the five-star kids. Well, we can. You know, a good example, Josh Davis, he had four or five FBS offers and ended up coming to Weber State and was the national freshman of the year. And Taron Johnson was a kid out of California a couple of years ago that when we took him, he had some of those lower-level Mountain West schools, and we get him, and he ends up being a fourth-round draft pick. And So we are getting some of those guys, and I think it's all relative to what those guys want and what they're looking for. And some guys just want to play in the FBS, and if that's the case, then we don't get those guys. But the ones that are looking for a good fit and want an opportunity to get a great education and to maybe have a chance to play on in the NFL, we get those guys still. 
When you say of what they're looking for, is it? can I say it's universal, it's to win and play? No, it's not universal for that. Uh, it should be, in my opinion. I think they should be looking for education first, uh, playing at a high level of football second, and some guys just say, you know what, unless I'm in the Pac-12, I can't be happy. Well, I, I, mean, I can't offer that to those guys. I just can't. And, but those guys won't be happy unless that's what they have, and so they, that's what they need to do. Can you offer them a car? I, I wish, and that would make it easier. <laughs> as long as nobody else could offer that car. Yeah, well, when that rule changes, everybody will have a car dealer offering a car, so that'll end up just being a wash anyway. Well, it'll be crazy with this new uh, name, likeness, and image thing. When that get, kicks off, I don't know how that affects recruiting will be crazy. So uh, when you talk to these kids, you know, people have in their mind, the media does it to a degree, and I think fans do it, well, if you're at Weaver State, you know, you're in the big sky, you're a step slower, you're a little smaller, and maybe there's some truth to it, but you're putting guys in the NFL, which kind of blows that out of the water. You know, if you're good enough to go to the NFL, that's a really high level. Are you getting guys who are late bloomers? Is it become really the mental, technical side of the game, and you coach guys up, and that's why they make it? How does that happen? Because those two things, you know, there's supposed to be this huge gap from the SEC to the big sky, but you're getting guys drafted. Well, I think we've had six guys in the last four years uh, make NFL rosters or get opportunities. And so we're finding them. And how you get them, everyone is different. Uh, it might be a guy like uh, we had an old lineman out of Stansbury a couple of years ago in high school. He's 240 pounds. When he left us, he was 310 pounds when the strongest guy in the country. You know, he, he when he went to the combine, had more bench reps than anybody. And he was a late bloomer a little bit. He was a development guy. Uh, sometimes people just flat miss. And recruiting nowadays, it's so accelerated that we're offering sophomores. And then they're passing on all the guys that end up blooming their senior years, and then they're full. And we've kind of benefited from that a little bit and getting some of those late bloomers that just end up being great players. And then, quite frankly, I think we do a better job than a lot of schools in developing our guys when they get here. We've had... Two or three of the strongest guys in the combine in the last couple of years just out of Weber State. So, As far as in-state recruiting goes, I'm wondering, has it increased in difficulty? You've got Dixie now moving up, and I believe they're on their ske- you guys got them on the schedule this year. Yep. And so now you've got, being, you've got so many schools that are playing football. I mean, you compare it to a state like Arizona, which has triple the amount of population, but they don't have near as many schools. So how has recruiting in-state been as far as maybe degree of difficulty well there's more and more schools recruiting in the state of utah from out of the state so that's made it a little bit harder what made it really hard is when coach anderson went back up to utah state because he does such a phenomenal job in recruiting Uh, we obviously we don't battle with the university of utah in recruiting we don't battle with byu and like i say now that gary's up at utah state that's made it harder for us because those were a lot of the kids that we were getting um but we, we don't really battle the other guys that much. It, it was a thing. Utah would take theirs and BYU would take theirs, and then we were getting the big majority of the next tier guys, and that's how we've kind of built this thing. Um, and those guys are still there, and we're going to continue to take those guys. We've had to be a little creative the last year or two and just find another couple guys out of the state, but the, the state of Utah will continue to be our base for sure. So how much does it matter that not only all the Pac-12 schools come in here, but a lot of Mountain West schools do. You can check a Nevada roster, Wyoming, Air Force, Boise State, and see Utah kids. 
is it it doesn't seem like any of them take a lot but the fact if everybody takes one guy that adds up it does and uh, that's kind of what i'm talking about there's been a lot of schools in here the last couple of years and the and that's a tribute to the high school coaching uh it, it continues to get better and better and the way we're producing athletes in the state's just gone up so we're going to continue to battle that but the number of players in my opinion is going to continue to go up as well we're just you know we're gonna we're, we're gonna still have our tier player that will come here and be successful uh, we just got to do a great job of evaluating who those guys are. What's your thought as far as the grad transfer? Because, again, we've seen a player, I think, out of Eastern. Where did he go? Is he going to Washington? Uh, Eastern Washington, I think he's going to Washington. So we're seeing guys go up. I don't know what's in the big sky if we're seeing players come down as the grad transfer. So what do you think of this rule? Well, I'll be honest. I don't think it's affected college football the way people thought it would i mean there's a guy or two here that you may lose or you might pick up but i don't think it's affected it the way most people think it's not really affected us much um we lost our quarterback but that's just something you deal with i mean you could lose him to injury or something else um you you just never know how it's really going to affect you so if it happens to you and you lose a guy you just reload with the next one um whether you like it or not, it's here to stay, and, and I don't know. I, I don't know the best way to answer that question, really. Jay Hill joining us, Weber State football coach. Uh, you guys have climbed through the ranks here uh, in the championship subdivision, but you know there's a couple dynasties here now. The, the next couple of hurdles seem really significant. James Madison's been very good, North Dakota State. What, what separates those guys from the next tier? What separates one and two from three, four, five, six? Well, quite a bit right now. It's it's budget with both those schools, uh, cost of attendance, some things that they offer that maybe some of the other schools don't is something that we're all chasing right now. Uh, James Madison is in a part of the country where they do benefit from a lot of those grad transfers or a lot of those guys that just say, you know what, my last year or two, I want to play. And so they'll drop down from a Virginia or a Clemson or something like that. And James Madison's the best school out there. And so they get them. And it's a beautiful location. And they've got great facilities. So, so they've benefited from that. And then North Dakota State, obviously, uh, they just they just they're rolling right now with their success and those are the two schools we're chasing right now i would say over the last four years we're probably the next best team us in south dakota state and um, i think you can throw us right up there but that's definitely who we're chasing and uh, what we want to accomplish is we need to knock those guys off if we can if we're going to accomplish the goals that we really want yeah, so you've been, uh, last couple years, you've been uh, giving me stuff to do on that second Friday in December. Yeah, right. <laughs> can you extend it? We can. There's no doubt. And, you know, last year we faced a really, really talented James Madison team, and we came out of the gate slow, and we got down 17 nothing. And you're playing a great team like that. You can't do it. The rest of the game we played right with them. Uh, Maine, the year before, was the game that, quite frankly, we should have won. Should have won we, that. We should have. <laughs> and, and the reality is we did not play good at the wrong time. And it, that one cost us. But that was kind of our path that we should have taken advantage to the yeah. championship game. And then once you get to that game, who knows what can happen. We were talented enough that year on both sides of the ball that if our quarterback played good in a championship game, who knows what could have happened. But... Uh, we're still fighting that, and we're right there with them. It's not like that we got some 
an unsurmountable hurdle that we can't get over. This is something we're right there nipping at their toes, and they know it. And we just got to find a way to get a little better. Jay Hill, Weber State football coach, joining us. So whenever you win, there's all kinds of rumors, right? Because other people see you winning, and their programs are losing, and there's bigger schools with bigger paydays. How much is that tempting, and how much, like, you know this program, you know the people, you've had success you get to enjoy, and there's still a significant challenge to accomplish, so all the other stuff doesn't really matter except when I ask you about it. Well, I think it's both. I mean, if we're realistic, can people turn down millions and millions of dollars that are occurring in this profession? It gets hard if it's the right job. And someday, maybe that will happen. No one knows. But until that does, we are extremely happy here. We've got tons of hurdles to overcome or to to jump over. And we love it in Ogden. We love where we're at. Uh, and I don't know how to answer that other than if, if the right one comes along someday and everyone says, you know what, I can see why he'd have to do that, then I think people would get it. But till that happens, we're going to just keep winning here. <laughs> we look at so much out there that money is being spent on all sorts of stuff in college football and you know, all the bells and whistles with these facilities that are going on and every, everything is just first class. How is Weber fitting in and what areas do they look to get better at as far as that goes? Well, our whole thing is we're trying to improve the student-athlete experience. So us building that new facility and, and putting a locker room that was a legit Division One locker room in and adding a new weight room that we needed so desperately and some meeting spaces where we can actually teach the players, that was huge for us. Uh, you know, being able to improve nutrition and be able to give back to the player what I think that they desperately need, those things are huge. A lot of the bells and whistles you mentioned I think are unnecessary. And quite frankly, I think we spend money that maybe we don't need to sometimes at other levels. Now, us, we we don't do that. We just don't have the budgets and the ability to do that. But there there's some that, quite frankly, I think spend where they don't necessarily need to all the time. Yeah, we see that. How has recruiting worked for you these last couple of months? There have been a lot of Zoom conferences, less face-to-face time, but you can still do film because everybody's film is on the web. You're seeing all that. How different does it feel in the process right now? Well, as far as our evaluation process, I don't think it changed that much other than you never got to see the guy in person. But if, if you trust the coaches on, on their size and w- the height and weights and stuff like that, or you have a way of getting that uh, through a picture or a video or something, that's changed that aspect a little bit but as far as watching their film not at all it hasn't changed at all uh we since we've been in this dead period we've actually signed or signed three really good players in my opinion and we found them different ways the dilemma was we had to do our little tour of campus through video Mm -hmm. and so we'd have coaches stationed at other spots on the campus and we'd flip back in a zoom call and he'd show them this building and we'd show them another building that's weird where you're having to show your campus and what you can offer to these kids via zoom uh that's not ideal by any means but uh we've we've been able to find a way to overcome it and that's just what we're dealing with right now do you think going forward since this has been it's not the normal way of life but it's the way of life now do you think going forward there are some things you talk about expenditures and spending almost to the point of needlessly that there can be some things that can actually be the norm going forward when everything gets back to normal and maybe save some money? Uh, I think that's an aw- awesome 
uh, view of what's occurring, and I absolutely think so, that uh, we can overcome a lot of stuff, and we've, we've shown that, that we can overcome some things. We might be able to save budgets in, in certain areas um, by just being creative like we've had to the last couple months. So you're not the first coach I've heard talk about the Zoom tours, and it's hilarious because basketball staffs are smaller, so they actually have guys running around campus. Football, you can at least put, you know, you got more people to put one in every spot. But I've also heard in real estate how popular drone tours are becoming. Have you done that kind of stuff, or is that in the offing? So we have have drone videos that show campus that we can share out to people, but... um, we haven't really taken advantage of that too much like during the zoom and uh, maybe i got to be more tech savvy that's something i can look into for the next thing is finding a way to zoom a drone into the the call <laughs> that would be pretty cool what somebody was saying was that it really lets the kid feel like they're walking through the building and showing the relationship from each one of them it's like a walking tour of campus it's a level of technology i hadn't thought of at all well, I think that's an awesome idea. I haven't, we haven't thought of that. That that takes what we've done to the next level, and maybe that's the next thing we look at. So, see, I got something out of this call, <laughs> other than just hanging out with you guys. A lot of stuff going on in the world, obviously, socially. Uh, have you had any interactions with your players as far as discussions and what maybe is on their minds and what you would want them to do as far as expressing themselves and all that? You know what? I'm, I'm glad you asked that because in today's world, that's such a hot topic and something that's so dear and important to me right now. We had on Wednesday, after every one of the lifts, we would take the lifting groups and we would, we went up into our auditorium and spaced them out 10 feet and we just said, you know what? Here's your opportunity vent. Tell us about what's going on socially. Tell us about what you really feel. We let some of our African-American players uh, tell our white white players what they really go through you know when you walk into a store and you got someone following you around because you think they're going to steal something or they get pulled over and they get pulled out of their car for speeding that's something that i've never experienced as a white male and to listen to those stories and to to watch five or six groups go through that and to see the white players uh get a little better sense of what we're fighting right now I thought was extremely powerful, and uh, it was it was huge for me to just listen to them, let them vent a little bit as to why we're fighting for what we're fighting for, and um, that was huge for our team, our players. I wanted this to be something that could bring us closer together rather than tear us apart because this will tear some teams apart. So I think that it's, and I don't know this because I didn't play college sports. But the amount of time these guys spend together and how hard they work together from, you know, being criticized in a group, you know, individually being called out in a film room to literally how hard it is to lift weights and how exhausted you are to hear those stories or read them in a paper or on the Web or to see them on TV from someone you don't know is one thing. But to hear them from someone you feel like, you know, does it make it like 10 times more powerful? 10 times more powerful. I mean, I I got... I got African-American players tearing up as they're telling their story, and I got white guys listening to it tearing up because of what they've been through together. And I think a football team across the country is one of the best examples as to what we can become, where you take kids from the Polynesian Islands and from wherever they come from that are African-American and white players that we have. And bottom line, you're just mixing these groups, and they get along, and they love each other, and they get it. And they look past some of the stuff, the pre, uh, the 
the just the the judgments that occur socially in today's world we look past that and we see the real person and i think that that's what the world needs to get to is we got to get past looking at skin color and look at what's in the the person's heart and how hard they work and their dedication and that's what happens on a football team is we see those other things that are so important to see in people yeah i've always felt that i don't think we'll ever eliminate the form of racism completely but i always thought to mitigate it and to lessen it bring it down to an individual level and i'm bob and you're joe i'm not this you're not that i'm bob and you're joe and i get to know joe and if i get to know him it's probably a good chance i'm going to like him and then if he happens to be a person of another race then that's going to resonate with me well i'm not going to stereotype because bob isn't like that so that's the way i think to combat it and you use that example in a football team well, and that that's a perfect example of what we're talking about is these guys actually get to know each other and get to love each other and fight with each other. And that's where they grow to the, the, the trust grows. And our, those friendships will last forever. Uh, and that's what we're fighting in society is give people a chance to show you who they really are rather than having this uh, preconceived notion and what society taught us. Just give people a chance and... And I think you'll find that some of your best friends will come from the other races. So it's one thing to vent, and you need that. And it's another thing to share these stories, and you need that. But taking action is another level. I think a lot of times college athletes aren't aware of the power they have. They've always been them. They were just a guy, and they don't, or a high-profile female athlete, too. They're just, they were just a kid in high school. You know, but in college, you've got a chance. But when you come from, especially you come from outside the area, you don't know how to... Um, have an impact because you're not connected and one of the most powerful stories i heard damian lillard and the stuff he did was in school was unbelievable and a lot of people school didn't even know he was doing it the weber state community kind of stumbled onto it i think so whether it's boys and girls club youth impact program is i think a group that's had a lot of success are you getting guys involved? Like, we have to take all this, but we have to go make somebody else's life better. We have to do something? We do. And, you know, I'll be the first one to admit, I've not posted a lot of stuff on social media. One, I'm not a big poster, but I got so tired of the negativity and the fighting back and forth that I just kind of got off that stuff. And we, as a football team and, and a coaching staff, we just said, you know what, we're going to try to fix it at a different level. And we've we've talked to some of the police departments, and we've talked to... Uh, one of the state senators in the state of Utah, and we've talked to some lawyers about what do we need to do to make some real change. And it's going to be our players getting out in the community and showing that, you know what, we can show the world that we do get along and that we love each other and we can serve each other and go do some community service. Those things are extremely important as far as changing the image on what we want to be in America and being socially acceptive to all races and all walks of life, all religions, whatever it is. We just need to be more accepting, give people a chance and and to really go out there and let our story be heard. And that's what we're trying to do. So we're here at Ogden Country Club for this Weber State event. Are you a golfer? Absolutely. I love it. I don't know how good I am, but I love to play. So, <laughs> Whittingham thinks he's all that. Can you handle him? <laughs> oh, you know, that I, was I, so careful and calculated. You are such a recruiter. You are such a good recruiter. Well, that was awesome. You know what I'll say? When I was there at Utah, he hardly played. We couldn't right. get him to play, right. and now he's playing a lot, and he has got so much better. He's He's got a short game that's crazy. I wish I had it. So 
Has he given up on tennis? Because that yes. was why he didn't play golf, as he was playing so much tennis. I don't think so. I still think he's a great tennis player, but I don't know. We just he gets so busy, and I get so busy. We talk. We still talk regularly, but I, it's more about family and how things are going that way. I, I don't know how much tennis he's playing. Yeah, I think of the knees and that type of thing. It's uh, as you get older, golf becomes more uh, palatable for your body. I still like to see him try to muscle the ball and, and then not have it work and have him get frustrated. <laughs> well, we all do, right? We're competitive. and uh, Us coaches, we like golf. I, I saw Fessy Sataki walking did, around yeah, here him, and, yeah. and Colton Swan from Utah staff walking around here today. So it's fun to have these guys back up here. And Us coaches are competitive with golf. I don't know how good of golfers we are, but Those it's fun to former. get out and play. Fessy and Colton, former uh, staff members on your staff, yep. assistant well, that, coaches. That was what you were talking about, though. Guys come through and they get a chance at Weber State, and then they get a chance to move on. And that's a game changer for an assistant coach moving from a Big Sky school to a it is or Utah. And those two are phenomenal examples of what we're talking about because they they are coaches that could coach at the highest level, and they are phenomenal. And I think those guys are some of the best coaches on those staffs they're at. And uh, I wish I still had them because they're outstanding. Well, Jay, thanks for a few minutes. You guys are awesome. Hope we Appreciate you guys in, being here. Hope we didn't get you in too much trouble with Kyle. That'll get, <laughs> that'll get back to him if it hasn't well, already. Didn't I, it. I didn't even say anything. He didn't say anything. We saw it. We laughed too hard. With the listeners, he didn't say Kyle anything. Kyle is going to take that, and he's going to convict you, Jay. Convict it. Hey, uh, he, I, he and I got another golf outing soon, and hopefully a lot of them because I love playing with him. So Thanks, Jay. See you guys. Jay Hill, Weber State football coach. Getting ready for another deep run. <laughs> he just said we busted him. Uh, getting ready for another deep run in the uh, football championship subdivision playoffs. A couple of quarterfinals and a semifinal. Two of the three losses to James Madison. Kick the door in, as Bum Phillips used to say back in the day. Yeah, they've been all over it. They've yep. been a little Phil Mickelson. Now they got to drop the putt. DJ and PK at 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.